welcome to Prince Track by Track presents Midnight Vultures, track by track. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Deborah, the 11th and final track from Midnight Vultures. And yes, that is correct. I am not counting whatever nonsense appears 12 minutes and 42 at the end of this song. That is not a track. It's just some noise that happens. It's not a bonus track. I'm not covering it. Uh, you can't make me cover it. Released on the 23rd of November 1999. Written by Beck, John King, Mike Simpson, and Ed Green, who I, from everything I can tell, I think was a session musician for Barry White, who never got credited. Don't ask me why. Uh, such a, a weird kind of, I don't know why he gets a writing credit. I don't know if it is the correct Ed Green. If it isn't, please contact me. On the track, we have Beck. We've got Smokey Hormel on guitar. We've got Joey Warnica on drums. We've got Roger Joseph Manning Jr. on organ and Fender Rhodes. Uh, Justin Middle Johnson on bass. Uh, Fernando Pullum is just on horns. Um, but then his two horn mates, uh, Joe Turano and Steve Baxter, are also doing backing vocals. The track is 1356, although really it's not 1356. And joining me to talk about today is Tim Holsizer. Hello, Tim. Hello. Great to be here. Now, uh, obviously, the song itself actually fades out at 542 as Beck sings, you know, I'm a full grown man and I'm not afraid to cry. Um, and, that, and that kind of just fades out so that if you want to hear what he's actually singing, you have to just kind of keep turning the volume up just to get the last end of that sentence. Um, and then you have uh, exactly six minutes or seven minutes, I think it is, of silence. And then you have some nonsense that happens at the very end of the album. Um, now, many, many years ago, I had a mini disc recorder. In fact, I still have a mini disc recorder. Um, and I used to listen to stuff on mini disc and uh, I transferred... Um, you know, this album onto Minidisc and, uh, you know, with Minidisc you're able to cut tracks up and so, of course, I made myself a version of this song that did not have the bonus stuff at the very end so it was exactly about, well, it's about 5 minutes 45, something like that so I could just listen to this song without having to put up with that nonsense that happens at the end Well, I think Spotify has done away with all that stuff too, so I think you're right And I also, once once I put stuff on iTunes as well, I you know, you, you, can, you can do a thing in iTunes where you can pick where the song finishes, and then if you create a second mp3 from that, you can have an mp3 that doesn't have anything at the end so I think I did that many years ago possibly even in iTunes version 1 that is the version of Deborah that I have listened to for the last, I don't know, 18 years something like that, it feels weird to say that number <laughs> now, um, I saw Beck play in uh, June 2001 um, in Birmingham, and um, he performed this song roughly halfway through the set um, now, I was right at the very front of that gig <laughs> for pretty much from when the support act came on to the, I don't know, about hour between them changing the set <laughs> from the support act to Beck coming out. Um, and once it got to Deborah, that was the song, of, you know, that basically I think that was the point which I lost my voice. I was basically singing along to it, doing my very poor falsetto, um, you know, at the top of my lungs. And at that point, I was like, I think... You know, I was basically drenched in sweat right at the front of this, this, you know, this crowd. And I was like, I think this is the point which I'm going to have to go and sit down because I've been pretty much standing up at the front of this place for about three hours. Um, <laughs> so Deborah was the point in that gig where I went up to the balcony and I basically watched the rest of the gig from up on the balcony, which, to be honest with you, I had a better view of the stage from up there. So, you know, but, you know, there's something about being right at the front of the gig and being, you know, a mere feet away from Beck as he's singing you know, Zanku chicken, you know, I mean, you know, you're never going to live, relive that. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, you know, I like this is, this is easily, I mean, you know, I don't want to give my grade away too much, but I would say six out of five. Like this is possibly one of my favorite songs of all time. The only thing that makes it weird is my mom's name is the same as this song. Um, <laughs> exactly. It's spelled the same way. And everything. Oh no. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. It just it just makes the song a little tiny bit weird. But I think in the eighteen years or so, I think I've kind of got over that now. But yeah, it still just makes things a little bit kind of odd. And of course, it's worth saying that um, David Bowie's "Win" is sampled as the kind of like if you hear like the the kind of the you know after the guitar opening, the kind of underneath the horns, there's like a a, a sample that's playing, and that is from David Bowie's "Win." It's been manipulated a little bit, so you can't really. F- like, if you listen to Dave Bowie's win, you kind of get that it sounds like Deborah, but, you know, it's only really kind of like the openings that are roughly the same, and then David Bowie's song continues in that same vein for, you know, five minutes, whereas, you know, Deborah kind of changes a few times. So it's it's not completely, you know, like, it, you can kind of hear it, but it's not it's not really super obvious. You know, I just, there's, there's like everything about this song I just love. I love the fact that Beck, you know, is doing his Prince impression. Um, you know, kind of <laughs> with, with the falsetto. Um, but also, you know, he like he, it's not like he just does the whole song in falsetto, but the fact that he does drop down into his lower register. And that is something obviously that Prince would also do is like he would sing, you know, like a verse in falsetto and then he'd come down into his lower register for the chorus. And so, like, I just love that as well. Um, you know, and I mean, Beck himself, he's performed this song live a few times since Prince's death and incorporated Raspberry Beret into the song. Um, and I think they kind of have, like, you know, they have a similar kind of setting in that, you know, obviously Raspberry Beret tells the story of Prince seeing a woman walking into, you know, this shop, a five and dime, you know, at that particular time. And, you know, here we, we start with Beck saying, you know, I met you at J.C. Penney's. So, you know, meeting a woman in a store, I guess that's about as tenuous a link as I can get between the two songs. But Beck's the one who's kind of made the connection himself. Um, you know, and also like the idea of someone singing about how they want to get with you, um, and your sister, you know, like that again, that feels like something that, you know, in the eighties, maybe Prince would have sung a song like this. Uh, yeah. Listening to this song, always, always surprises me anew how good his falsetto actually is. You know, you don't, you don't, I mean, Beck uses it on some songs, but nothing quite like this that I'm aware of. Having the falsetto in the, the, like the chorus, like he really kind of goes up his range. Like it's not just him kind of staying within the same kind of couple of notes. He's like really using the full range of his falsetto. Mm. Um, You know, so when he starts with the, you know, I met you at JCPenney's, like he then kind of goes up a little bit for, I think your name tag, I said Jenny. And like the Jenny bit is slightly higher up. And, uh, you know, and then he kind of goes back down a little bit for the, you know, I cold step to you with a fresh pack of gum, um, you know, like so he it's not just all on one. You know, I think that's the like obviously falsetto is not a natural singing range. So when people do kind of sing in it, they can be limitations. Mm. Uh, obviously, for Prince, you know, it was his natural singing voice for I don't know, like a decade. <laughs> and then he, he as his as he got older, his range gradually kind of you know extended a little bit and his lower voice was used more. Mm. Um, but you know, so like, and I guess most people kind of associate Prince with the falsetto. Like that's when they think of, even though Purple Rain isn't falsetto, like none of that song is falsetto. (laughs) So, and that's his most well-known song. But if you think about something like Kiss, where he is kind of, you know, a lot higher up than Beck is at any point during this song, um, except probably towards the end where, where, where Beck kind of gets a little bit louder. Um, you know, like that's kind of the range that you think of for Prince with, with his falsetto. And, you know, Beck here, he's, you know, he's no slouch. You know, he's he's really kind of um, using using his full falsetto range as much as he can. But, you know, I mean, I think as well, the thing that sells this song to me is, you know, it wasn't just the falsetto. It isn't just the horn stabs. 
Um, you know, it isn't just like that shimmering guitar at the beginning. It's like such a brilliant kind of introduction. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's mostly the lyrics. You know, like the, it, this the song is kind of, you know, it's 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 all well and good having like a falsetto or you know, kind of sounding sounding you know well produced or whatever. But if you're not going to have you know the lyrics to hook you in, then um, you know I don't I don't think the song would work. But I just I just love the details that he has, like the whole kind of like I met you at JC Penney's, like. It's it's such a weird cut. Like there's something that on this album that has kind of become quite prominent, which is this kind of weird like faux rap boasting that Beck does, <laughs> where you know later on in the song he'll he'll say the word Hyundai, um, and here he's starting out with J C Penney's, and it's like, you know, like it's not a boast. Like meeting someone at J C Penney's is not like something that you would boast about, <laughs> you know. So it's I, I and I like as well how he's like I think your name tag said Jenny, and it's like. He can't even remember the name tag. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that he, throughout the song, he he thinks he knows both of their names, but isn't sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe that's why, like, the whole, you know, my mom having the same name is like, well, maybe her name isn't Deborah. <laughs> you know, he only thinks. He thinks her name tag said Jenny, and he thinks her name is Deborah. <laughs> so, like, he doesn't really know. But I, I like that because it, it's kind of it's kind of funny because it's like this weird boasting. But at the same time, it's almost like he doesn't care. But at the same time, the amount of like the amount of effort that he's putting in here, it kind of betrays the fact that he probably does care. But you know, I, I don't know I like this kind of cool detachment that he's got, um, and also like the boasts are so small, where he's you know like he he, he steps to her with a, a fresh pack of gum, yeah. and it's <laughs> it's like, it's like the it's the thing that you buy to get change, you know, like it, it, it like people then go out and buy gum because like you know you're only going to end up with change, so it's like. It's the, it's just this, literally the smallest item that you can buy in any shop is just gum, <laughs> and I I just like that that's that's his angle is like yeah hit, have some gum. Also, it could be a little bit insulting because you're like, what are you saying about her breath? You know, <laughs> and um, unless he's saying that he he stepped to her with gum to freshen his breath and not offend her. Yeah, I guess, but he he says you know somehow I knew you were looking for some. Oh, you know, okay. like so he's he's basically saying I you were looking for some gum. I could tell you were, and it's like. Well, how can you tell? It's, it's like all this time, all this time, I, I uh, misunderstood. I, I heard looking for some as like she was looking for some sex. I think that's also meant to be there. I think there's also a, like a double entendre there. Ah. But at the same time, you could take it literally as he's giving her gum because he can see she's looking for some. Gum. Ah, yes. Which again, you know, it's an item that is pretty much everywhere in every shop. So like, you don't have to go looking for gum. It's, you know. But I do. I, yeah, I think maybe the kind of the high falsetto. Oh no kind of makes it seem like he's trying to imply something. Right. And then we get probably one of the greatest couplets ever committed to uh, to music, where he says, like a fruit that's ripe for the picking, I wouldn't do you like that, Zanku chicken. Um, now, you know, I sung the word Zanku chicken many, many times <laughs> before I ever figured out what Zanku chicken was. Um, and it turns out that Zanku chicken, like the phrase, I wouldn't do you like that, Zanku chicken, like it was just apparently because Beck really liked Zanku Chicken. Like it's a place, uh, it's like a it's like a restaurant um, in Los Angeles, um, you know, just called Zanku Chicken. Um, but the weirdest thing is, uh, you know, a few years after this song came out, there was a murder suicide from the owners of Zanku Chicken. <laughs> I know, oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, the co-founder, um, whose name I'm not going to attempt to pronounce because um, it is very Armenian. Um, he was shot 16 times with an AK-47. Wow. Um, and 
and he survived. Although apparently this did lead to a little bit of a rift within the family. <laughs> you um, think? Understandably. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, the, the, apparently there are a number of Zanku chickens. Some are run by the original family and some are run by the cousins who don't talk to each other. Uh. Um, you know, and one of the things that you know it's it's kind of famous for is the fact that uh, it doesn't have refrigerators, um, so everything is prepared fresh on the day. Mm. Um, and also, there was a, an episode of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm that kind of references Zanku Chicken. Um, you know, where where Larry keeps going to this place where they do kind of Middle Eastern chicken, and obviously with him being Jewish, there's a little bit of a conflict because it's Palestinian. And the whole episode kind of focuses on that. But apparently that is kind of a reference to Zanku Chicken. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but I do I do kind of like when you say the phrase, you know, do you like that? Years later, it's, you know, it seems like the implication is to kind of kill you with an AK-47. <laughs> but that is not the implication here. Like, that is not what Beck meant. Um, but apparently he was just a really big fan of Zanku Chicken. And, you know. That, but I, I, I mean, I, I think what Beck is actually saying is he's not going to treat this woman like a piece of meat. Um, you know, he's going to treat her well, like they do at Zanku Chicken, where, where they where they freshly prepare meat and they don't freeze it. <laughs> and then, of course, I like the kind of the rap stylings of because you know I got I got a thing that I just got to get with. I just got to get with. I just got to get with you, and you know what we're going to do. And like kind of the double entendre of kind of almost being dropped there a little bit, <laughs> like. Of Beck being so desperate, where he keeps repeating that he's got to get to with you, <laughs> um, and and the fact that he says, "You know what we're going to do," again, you know, it, like chew. I don't know. It's, I assume they're going to chew it's, gum. It's such a probably yes at this point. I mean, he's you know, or maybe go get some Zanku chicken, mm. you know. But yeah, I, like I don't know, and also the fact that with his falsetto, he kind of he kind of goes up in his range towards the end of that line, um, you know, to the point where I think some people probably wouldn't be able to comprehend what he's saying because I know that some people can't make out what falsetto is. Uh, and that's one of the things that, you know, I mean, most people probably don't know half the lyrics to Kiss simply because Prince does it in such a breathy falsetto um, that on some lines you probably can't tell what he's singing. Mm. Um, and then we get, you know, possibly the greatest chorus on this album, at least, uh, with, you know, I want to get with you, oh girl, and your sister. I think her name is Deborah. And I mean, such a great delivery as well. Mm. Um, and then, of course, the kind of I want to get with you. And I love the aside of only you, girl. And your sister. <laughs> I think her name is Deborah. So this kind of commitment of, look, I only want to be with you, but also your sister. Like, I don't know. It's it's just great because, like, you know, certainly, like, late 90s rap was very much about this kind of thing of, like, boasting about, you know, how great you were and how many women you were going to get with. But so I like this idea that Beck is, is kind of turning on his head a little bit and being like, look, I just want to commit to this one person. But also their sister, <laughs> and I just, I just love how it's, it's always an aside of like, you know, I want to get with you, and just like it's just, it's such, a, it's the delivery is so great. Like it's probably one of my favorite things that Beck ever does. It's just that, that only you, um, he, you know, and your sister. It's like such a great kind of counterpoint immediately within this, in the with two lines. He's having so much fun on this, this whole album. It's, it's just a joy to listen to. Yeah, and I think as well, like. He kind of knows, like, I mean, on a lot of the songs, they're kind of almost parodies of certain things. And this does kind of feel a little bit like a parody of a Prince song. But also, you know, like kind of Barry White or like any of those kind of like 70s kind of extremely sexual songs. Mm. 
Um, you know, when when Barry White was on The Simpsons, he like he did a whole thing about like you know, the sexy slither of a snake and stuff. It's like literally anything Barry White ever said because of the register of his voice was always sexy. <laughs> and so I think this is kind of what Beck is doing here. It's like everything he's talking about is kind of sexy, um, even even if you know he, he's constantly contradicting himself. <laughs> Um, you know, and that, when we get to the second verse, he again goes down into his leg- lower register and he says, oh, girl, I only want to be with you because you got that something that I just got to get with. Um, and then he, he, you know, he lays out the scene. And this is probably like my favorite. I don't know. Like this, this whole the way he kind of has no game is so funny when he's like, you know, I pick you up late at night after work. Like, who wants to do that? Who like? Take her out on a Saturday, back. Don't don't pick her up after work. Like that seems like <laughs> that, you know. Let let her rest. Like don't don't immediately like go from you know. Let her change her clothes. Don't take her out in her work clothes. That just seems like <laughs> yeah. You know, picking somebody up after work just seems like something you do once you've been dating for for a while. Like oh yeah yeah. I'll pick you up after work and we'll go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then of course the ultimate boast. He goes. I said, lady, step inside my Hyundai. Um, <laughs> which is just like I don't know, like in an era of people kind of talking about the size of their cars and all that kind of stuff. I like that that Beck is like, you know, we're getting realistic here. This date is going to take place after work, and it's going to be transported in my Hyundai. Like he's he's got no kind of <laughs> like it's it's he's putting on these affectations, but he's undercutting himself at every turn. Mm. Um, you know, and then he tells her, "I'm going to take you up to Glendale." Uh, you're gonna take you for a real good meal, and I like that as well. <laughs> like, I like that the promise isn't of anything extravagant. It's just like, look, after work, I'll pick you up. We'll go to Glendale. We'll get a good meal. Like, that's that's literally the like the most basic kind of human needs met right now. It doesn't even sound like it doesn't even sound like he's picked a place out yet. <laughs> yeah, he's just like somewhere in Glendale. They're probably gonna have somewhere nice. I don't know. Like, I haven't really looked into it. And then he goes back up to the falsetto for the kind of. Uh, you know the uh, the the kind of double entendres where he says because when our eyes did meet and this is where we get some wonderful little horn stabs he goes girl you knew I was packing heat <laughs> which is just like uh, such a wonderful kind of variation on the you know is that a gun in your pocket or are you pleased to see mm. um, you know um, and it, and of course he says ain't no use in wasting no time getting to know each other you know the deal because only you've got a thing that I just got to get with. Uh, I just got to get with you, girl, and you know, uh, I want to get with you. Only you, girl, and your sister. Once I'm, I love, I love that he kind of for the rest of the verse he kind of builds it up of like, you know, he's 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 kind of willing to, you know, just go straight ahead with whatever's happening. Doesn't want, to, doesn't need to get to know this person. He just wants to get things going, you know, after they've had a really good meal in Glendale. Um, but then he's immediately straight back onto, you know. Uh, I want to get with you and your sister. I think her name is Deborah, um, <laughs> which is such a, I don't know, like just the delivery of it is so great. Um, and then, of course, he, he restates it. I want to get with you, girl, and your sister. I think her name is Deborah. And then he does this kind of, you know, the falsetto, oh, oh, oh. Um, and that's when we kind of, you know, we have like the, you know, the, the horns kind of come back in, um, you know. And then we get to kind of the outro. Uh, you know, this song to me always feels way too short. You know, uh, if there was a way for me to kind of lengthen it and kind of add another two or three minutes in, I really would because, <laughs> you know, I'm enjoying it so much. Um, but we get this, this you know, repeat of, ooh, lovely lady, girl, you drive me crazy. Um, 
And within that, you know, obviously Beck is in his lower register. So when he starts singing that and then over the top, he starts kind of layering extra Becks. Um, so we get, you know, like a falsetto Beck coming in uh, and then it kind of builds and builds. And then we get to the kind of, you know, him screaming crazy. Oh, girl. And your sister, Deborah, <laughs> like him at this point, he's compressed all the information. down, So he's not even saying I want to get with you and your sister. He's just literally you. Deborah, <laughs> it's, it's like such a such a wonderful kind of summation, um, you know. And then he says, you know, you're driving me crazy. Um, and then there's this kind of as we get towards the very end of the outro, you know, he says, uh, I got a little sympathy for you, girl. Um, and he actually kind of says that he doesn't kind of sing it. And then he says, because I'm a full grown man and I'm not afraid to to. And then you kind of hear him say cry. But it's by that point, the song has kind of faded out, so you can't really hear it. And you've just kind of got that kind of shimmering guitar sound towards the end. Um, you know, and obviously that is a direct reference to Sex Laws, where he says, you know, I'm a full grown man. And I'm not afraid to cry. So he's basically quoting a song from the beginning of the album, <laughs> um, which, again, is such a it's like such a kind of clever use of, you know, the material, because, you know, he's done this a few times throughout this album where he's quoted earlier songs in later songs. Mm. Um, so, but I, I do, I do like as well how, you know, the song is very much about him boasting and kind of, you know, bragging about the Hyundai, about Glendale, you know, about the fact that he's got a pack of gum. But at the end, he then gets very vulnerable and he says, you know, I'm a full grown man, a full grown man. I'm not afraid to cry. Like, you know, just like that kind of the weird, I don't know, like it, just this kind of weird vulnerability at the end. It just kind of really makes the song for me. Yeah. Um, you know. And, and also, you know, Sex Laws is a great song as well, so it doesn't do any harm to kind of quote Sex Laws while you're at the end of the album. It's a beautiful callback. And I don't know, like, I just love everything about this song. You know, I love the production. You know, I love the lyrics. Uh, I love Beck's delivery of it. Like, you know, that falsetto is so great. And also when you kind of keep going down into the lower register, I mean, particularly on the outro where you have the, you know, ooh, lovely lady girl, you drive me crazy. Like, the gradual kind of build like where you kind of get Beck kind of going up in his range while the backing singers are kind of repeating this this line. You know, it's it's like a really kind of, it's a really kind of great way to end the song. But like I said, I would have preferred like another two minutes of the song. Um, yeah. You know, I don't want it to fade out there. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's what happens. If only, if only um, it really was 13 minutes of just this song. That's the thing. That's what's really disappointing. Like you see the running time and you're like, oh, we got 13 minutes of this. And then it fades out six minutes in and you're like, oh. Well, that's a bit of a cheat. I wanted to hear more about their date. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to hear what their second date was like. But I guess if, <laughs> if you're going around saying, I want to get with you and your sister, then, like, I don't know. I don't know if there is a second date. Yeah. No, no. I, d- I don't know that Glendale is impressive enough um, to, <laughs> you know, picking someone up after working your hundred. Yeah. I don't know that you could call that a successful day <laughs> by any stretch. Like, uh, you know, I don't know. True. I love this song so much that when it fades out, I do kind of hate it. And when when Beck kind of performs it live, you know, obviously because he can't just fade a song <laughs> out while he's on stage, he does kind of end up performing it for a little bit longer. So you do kind of get about another minute on most of the performances, mm. um, you know, where he kind of he kind of just does it a little bit longer. You know, and of course... There were a couple of performances in like 1999, 2000, where he performed this, you know, in particular like a VH1 Fashion Rocks, where like those performances were kind of memorable. And so even though this song was never released as a single, which I think is insane because I think this would have been like a brilliant single, um, you know, it still ended up being a little bit of like a fan favorite just because Beck had performed it live in, you know, as he was promoting the album, you know, in so many different places. Yeah. 
um, that you kind of it almost feels like it kind of was a single, um, but obviously it isn't a single. But yeah, I don't know. I like I just love the song so much, um, you know. And then of course uh, Edgar Wright went and ruined it and stuck it in Baby Driver, <laughs> and then suddenly everyone knows about the song. And I'm just like, oh, I wish I wish we could have kept it secret. I wish you know, not that it was that secret because obviously. <laughs> Beck has performed it live, you know, pretty much every single concert for the last twenty years. So, still, you still. know, I, I get, yeah, I still I, within Beck, like Beck fans obviously know about this song, but it would have been nice, you know, if uh, if Edgar Wright had not put it in a film that was like a huge success, <laughs> um, you know, and also made it the the like isn't uh, isn't uh, Baby Driver's love interest called uh, Deborah as well? Ooh. isn't that like why he plays the song to her? Um, I thought I thought that was the whole reason that Lily James' character, you know, like that's why that he played the song. Mm. Yeah, because there was another song that had Deborah in the title that he plays to it, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I, over the years I've heard a lot of Prince alikes, you know, songs that have that sort of Prince style, and I mean, nothing comes close to this. This is just brilliant. It's kind of so fully realized that it doesn't really. It's not like Weird Al, like. You know, and obviously Prince was one of the very few people who said no to Weird Al on a number of occasions. <laughs> so there is no Weird Al parody for you to compare it to anyway. <laughs> but like it, it really feels like it is, you know, um, uh, like it, 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 it's not a parody as such, but it is just a song in that style. You know, if, you know, like, you know, kind of mid 80s Prince was a style of music, um, you know, so it's like it, it's so kind of fully realized. Um, you know, and just like this whole, the, the whole kind of weird thing of like, you know, these boasts that don't really, that aren't really that great, <laughs> like boasting about your Hyundai, it, like it, it's just such a kind of direct parody of like the rap of the day. And it's obviously something that is done on a lot of other tracks on Midnight Vultures where, where Beck has these like boasts that he gives and they're never that impressive. <laughs> so it's just, it's just such a, it's such a perfectly realized kind of like, oh, you know, he's going to take you out for a real good meal. It's just such a great phrase because it's like, it doesn't promise you that much. It's like, oh, you know, you've had a long day at work. He's going to pick you up and you might actually get something to eat. Like, I don't know. And just Zanku Chicken, like the whole, like, I suggest people really look into what happened at Zanku Chicken because that is crazy. Like, just the fact that Beck does it mentions it in passing and then like four years later, someone's getting shot there. It's it's such a kind of crazy thing. Yeah, you, I, I had no idea about that until you mentioned it. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I can't even remember. I think there was a podcast where someone mentioned Zanku Chicken and they kind of talked about that and they mentioned Beck and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to look into whatever that is. Um, and it was kind of crazy. It's like, I don't know, it was so successful that people were willing to kill each other over it. So yeah. And also, you know, it's worth saying as well, you know, this far into, you know, this, this kind of side project, I think the production that the Dust Brothers do on all the tracks... Um, you know, on this, it, like, there isn't tons of synthesizers and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of the other tracks where it, they're very much kind of like dance songs. And obviously, that's kind of where the Dust Brothers kind of, you know, as producers, they really kind of shine. But on this, you know, they kind of let the instruments have the, the kind of the, the spotlight. You know, you've got like the, the nice interaction of the horns. You know, when, when he sings stuff like, you know, When Our Eyes Did Meet, and you have like the, the, the kind of the staccato horn stabs and the, the very quick stop starts, like, you know, it's really kind of letting the band kind of show off, um, you know, and obviously most of these guys are on pretty much every single track. So, mm. you know, it's just nice that there's a little showcase here where there isn't tons of synthesizers and all kinds of stuff over the top of it. Like, it's just very much, you know, like kind of uh, real instruments mm. uh, for want of a better word. Uh, but yeah, like the produ- production line is so great. 
um, you know, across the whole album, but on this song in particular, like they they make it sound like what it's meant to sound like, and I think that's that's why it also succeeds. Is it's it's not just the fact that that it's kind of Beck kind of doing Weird Al. He's actually the production. It, it sounds like what it's meant to sound like. Uh, this is not to put down Weird Al because Weird Al obviously he has a, a, a very keen ear for production and he does you know very 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 kind of you know perfect parodies. Um, but you know this is kind of a step above what a parody would be right. because you've you've got the band really kind of doing the song rather than uh, you know just doing the style of the song. And and the, and this fits within the whole of an album. Yeah, but I mean, well, this is it. Like this whole album. You know, it fit like it's one of those things where, um, you know, I've listened to Beck albums before and after this, and I just feel like his entire focus on this album is unlike any other album that he he did before or after, and I think that's what sells me on it. Like, I'm not like a Beck fan, but I am a huge fan of this album. Mm. Um, of course, otherwise I would not have decided to do a podcast about every track from this album. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I I when I saw it live, um, you know, almost like twenty years ago now. Uh, I just I just remember being right at the front of the crowd and just kind of singing along to every single word as best I understood them because I'm sure there's still a few words that I wasn't 100 percent on. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Zank you chicken I probably didn't figure out for a couple of years. Um, but you know just watching Beck and if you watch any live performances that are on um, YouTube, he still delivers that falsetto live uh, as good as it is on the record. Mm. and I think you know that's that's one of the things that also kind of sells the song. but you know it has a special place in my heart just because, you know, this is the point at which I was like, I'm gonna have to go and sit down. Like, I can't, I can't be at this level of excitement anymore. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to sit down. And uh, I think I also then went and bought, uh, bought a t-shirt as well because I was like, I'm gonna have to change out this current t-shirt. Um, so I bought, you know, a t-shirt which I still own. I still have that t-shirt from that gig ah. um, because I was just like, I'm, in fact, I think I had to go to an ATM inside the venue and I don't know, pay like a one pound charge or something to. So I paid over the odds to get a T-shirt because I was just drenched in sweat from, you know, being at the front of this gig. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me, that's partially what Deborah is. It's this song where I was like, I really am going to have to go and sit down now. I can't I can't be this excited this much more longer. <laughs> I get that. Um, so I think like we said about as much as we possibly can about Deborah, uh, the song, not my mother. <laughs> um, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug? Um, I guess I'll. Uh, plug your mother, Deborah. As a person, she sounds great. <laughs> yes, she is. Uh, and you can find me regularly on Prince Track by Track. Uh, if you search Facebook or Twitter or iTunes, you will find that. Uh, thanks much, both for being my guest here on this side project. As, it was, it was uh, a delight. Thank you. And otherwise, yeah. goodbye. I got a little bit of sympathy for you, girl. Yeah. Cause I'm a I'm a full grown man And I'm not a